This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Ever heard of Shenna Bellows, Secretary of State of Maine? No, it's not a Jeopardy quiz. But you're going to hear a lot about Shenna Bellows next week because she's about to make a ruling as to whether Donald Trump will or will not be, thumbs up or thumbs down, on the main ballot for primary and for the presidential election next November. It's not just Colorado um, that's considering these issues. We're still waiting for ultimate rulings in states like Michigan, um, as the U.S. Supreme Court will likely get an appeal from Donald Trump as early as January the 4th of the Colorado decision that banned his being on the ballot. Now we're up to Maine. And this is a decision at first that gets made by the Secretary of State of Maine because they have a unique constitution that determines that the Secretary of State, upon a petition, not a lawsuit, but a petition directed to her, has to determine the eligibility of people on the ballot. She's already held a hearing. She's reviewed the petition. She's asked for briefing, including of Donald Trump himself. Donald Trump has taken the position that uh, Maine has no role in the process of deciding who, who goes on the ballot for president or not. It has to be the Electoral College and uh, the Congress, which is the fundamental argument, even in Colorado, of the dissenting justices. Just to be clear, before I move back to Maine, in Colorado, it was four, the, four to three. But the four to three was as to whether the Colorado Secretary of State had the power and the authority to uh, take Donald Trump off the ballot. It wasn't four to three as to whether Donald Trump was an insurrectionist or engaged in insurrection or rebellion, as that term is used under the 14th Amendment. In that case, it was uh, unanimous. All seven justices in Colorado, let's make it eight, including the trial judge, believed that um, Donald Trump engaged in insurrection or rebellion um, against his oath and against the Constitution of the United States. That's getting little press. Everybody's focused on, oh, it was four to three, and the four were the Democrats, and the three were the Republicans. Even the Republicans didn't challenge the fact-finding done by the court, the trial court level in Denver, Colorado, in which that trial judge found in her in, uh, after a week-long um uh, trial that Donald Trump did engage in insurrectional rebellion. That the dispute, the falling out between the four and the three in Colorado, was over what you can do about it. Um, the, uh, you know, two of the dissenting justices said, eh, "Let Congress do it." You know, yeah, sure, he's an insurrectionist and engaged in rebellion and all that, but he wasn't convicted of it of a crime, even though that's not a requirement under the Fourteenth Amendment of our Constitution. And let Congress do it. Why are we dealing with it in Colorado? That was. I'm giving you the summary, my artist rendering of the dissents, but that was the dissent. Again, seven justices of the Colorado Supreme Court found that, he, that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution, and the fight and the debate and the falling out was over what to do about it. Now we're back in Maine. And in Maine, it's not in the court system, it's with the Secretary of State, because the unique qualities of and, and provisions of the Maine constitution and election law says that that's where it should be. And so she, uh, Shenna Bellows, the first woman Secretary of State of Maine, it's fallen on her shoulders, her broad shoulders to make this decision. She said after reading the briefing and having a, an open hearing on the 15th of December, she's going to make her ruling as early as next week. Now there's a shadow that's being cast on this decision making because it is likely that by January 4th, or earlier, as permitted by the Colorado Supreme Court, Donald Trump's going to take an appeal as to whether Colorado got it right about their constitution, about their secretary of state, and about 
who should be making the ultimate decision as to as to whether someone belongs on the ballot the secretary of state of that state for instance or congress and the electoral college as donald trump argues and if they make that ultimate decision uh and it's in favor of donald trump then many of these decisions being made by secretary of states may actually fall by the wayside but it depends on the unique aspects or provisions of the of the uh, constitution of that particular state and so what we have so far is that uh, shenna bellows secretary of state bellows can certainly make her decision next week if i had if i was a betting man given the fact that as i said eight different judges who have taken a look at the issue think that donald trump violated the 14th amendment section three the insurrection uh disqualification language and then the fight is on the rub is only over what do you do about it what does the state do about it do we put it over to the congress do we put it over to the electoral college does the state have the power now it's already been decided um even by former 10th Circuit Judge, now Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, Brett, um, uh, sorry, Neil Gorsuch, that things like who goes on the ballot and off the ballot, even for a presidential candidate, is the province of the state, not the federal government. And so if uh, if that kind of precedent in a case called Hassan is then used by the U.S. Supreme Court, where Gorsuch now sits, that would favor and strengthen the hand of a Secretary of State like Shanna Bellows. Real talk. 52% of men over 40 experience some form of ED between the ages of 40 and 70. Personally, all of my friends, once they hit 40, started using something to help, whether they admitted it in the locker room or not, because it's always been a taboo topic. Thankfully, Hims is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment all online. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable and discreet sexual health treatments all from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No insurance needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers. So if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash legal AF. That's H-I-M-S.com slash legal AF for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash legal AF. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription. Now, what happens next if she decides, let's just, you know, uh, for you know what and giggles, let's, let's say she rules as Colorado did, that Donald Trump does not belong on the ballot and that the petitions have been proven. Then it goes to a trial court level or an appeal to the superior court of Maine. Not the appellate court, but it'll be the superior court sitting in sort of an appellate review uh, position, if you will. Well, then there'll be, a, there'll be hearing there, briefing there, oral argument there. And then any ruling there, the loser of that particular uh, proceeding, which I assume would happen sometime 
in um, early January may or may not have the benefit of waiting to see what the U.S. Supreme Court does in their proceeding. I'll talk about the timing of that next because we're trying to line up these different time intervals, these different spinning plates between the federal appeals process through the U.S. Supreme Court and the state process. And a lot of times what state processes do where they sort of hit the intersection of U.S. Supreme Court rulings or precedent or ones that are in progress is that they sort of put a pin in their proceedings waiting to see what the U.S. Supreme Court does for guidance. They may do that here. So I would think that, um, let's just play this out, Secretary of State Bellows sometime next week rules against Donald Trump, bans him from the uh, ballot in Maine, March, Super Tuesday, March 5th is when he would be on the ballot. We're running out of time here. Um, maybe they would stay their uh, ban of Donald Trump from the ballot to give him time to take an appeal or to take it to the next level, which in this case would be the Superior Court of Maine, failing that two levels of, of uh, appellate court process in Maine State. And then he could try to jump over to the U.S. Supreme Court. Could he try a direct to Trump, try a direct appeal the way Jack Smith just did, skip a couple of these steps, take the case and consolidate it with Colorado at the U.S. Supreme Court? It's possible, but the Supreme Court would have to be willing to do that. And I'm not sure he has the votes for that. We just saw they declined Jack Smith's strong, strenuous invitation for them to take a direct appeal and cut out the middle person of the D.C. Court of Appeals related to whether Donald Trump has immunity from prosecution in the District of Columbia case. And so having just rejected that two days ago, I'd be shocked if they decided they wanted to leapfrog over a number of levels of state appellate procedure and take the case directly, but we'll keep an eye on it. And so this is how I think the timing goes. Ruling next week, adverse to Donald Trump by Secretary of State Bellows in Maine, a, an appeal to the Superior Court in Maine Superior Court does a quick briefing schedule, maybe over a 10-day process. Now we're in the middle of January. By this time, the, the what I think will be an expedited appeal process that's granted by the U.S. Supreme Court will be in the works about Colorado. Um, and then by the end of January, I think we'll be looking at, uh, we're looking at two events. We're looking at a, a fully briefed and fully appealed, exhausted appeal process in Maine by Donald Trump if he loses, and at the same time, a fully briefed and perhaps oral argument in the, in, the, in the Supreme Court of the United States related to Colorado, which would then give guidance and would serve as precedent and cited precedent, I'm sure, in the other states that are looking to ban Donald Trump. Now, we'll continue to follow events like this. It didn't get a lot of press because all eyes were on Colorado, but now all eyes, as I said at the top of the hot take, are on Secretary of State Shetta Bellows. And uh, we trust that she'll make the right decision. She now has guidance from the Colorado Supreme Court in a well-written a well 213-page decision. And if she wants to sort of put a pin in it for a while, she could say, I think I need guidance from the U.S. Supreme Court and see what the U.S. Supreme Court says. And the fundamental issue at the U.S. Supreme Court is going to be a couple things. One, can a state be the one to decide based on its own process and procedures and its own hearings and petitions and lawsuits? Can it ultimately decide who uh, can be on the presidential primary ballot? Who can be on the presidential general election ballot? Or is that something under the 14th Amendment, Article 3, that's reserved for Congress in some way, even though it doesn't say that in the statute itself or in the, con in the uh, um, congressional amendment itself? Um, and, you know, these 
uh, members of the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, like to consider themselves originalists and textualists. They like to look at the literal text and they say, uh, well, we have to follow the literal text unless they don't like the literal text. And then they throw it out and do something else. But if you look at the legislative history around the framing of the uh, 14th Amendment coming out of the Civil War period and during a Reconstruction period in the United States, um, there was no requirement that there be an actual uh, indictment, conviction, uh, trial and conviction of somebody for insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution. Uh, it says engaged in, doesn't say convicted of engaging in. And I think that was done for a reason historically. Uh, they didn't want to put the country through these trials of former Confederate leaders and Jeff Davis, the president of the Confederacy, um, in order to invoke and trigger this provision. And the, and the second reason is there's nothing in the provision that says there's a role for Congress. Congress has its own processes that we'll talk about at another hot take. Impeachment and conviction in the Senate having, you know, being the lead the lead uh, way that they can deal with things like this. But in the criminal court system, there's no role for Congress and no nothing that's not uh, self-actuating or self-effectuating in the 14th Amendment itself. But we'll have to see how the uh, six to three MAGA right wing of the Supreme Court deals with this particular issue. We'll follow it on Legal AF, the podcast, only on the Midas Touch Network. It's on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and it's, it sits at the corner of law, politics, and justice. I mean, if if you like this kind of hot take, who doesn't like hot takes? You're going to love Legal AF. So if you like what I'm doing here, give me a thumbs up and a comment. It really does help with the ratings. It makes your voice heard and keeps me on the air. So until my next hot take, until my next Legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.